Okay, welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pact of Adventure alongside our producer, Michael Molinari. Uh, proud to be part of the Believe Network here. And fellas, is it time, Ted, we start believing that these firings early on in the season are just reality and here to stay? Because we see another one go down in Paul Christ. Oh, well, yeah, we'll get in. We'll get into that. But I got to say, guys, it was phenomenal to be back in Utah for football. We hadn't been there for football in quite a while. It's the best program in the conference since the Pac-12 started from start to finish. Another example of a great fan base. People walking out of the stadium saying, love the podcast, looking at Molinari when they were saying that. Can you believe that as we're running to our cars? And great props. I got to say, uh, Bill Riley, the voice of the Utes, and Spence Checkets at KSL do a wonderful job of, of really you know, helping build comp the Pac-12 conference in sports. We're on their shows all the time. It's great. Everything about last weekend was terrific. Bill Riley made a, uh, I said, we need a powerful out for the Utah defense piece we're doing. And he emailed me a call from the game previously and he nailed it and brought it to the, uh, dare I say, Harlan-esque level on the way out there. It was very impressive. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun weekend. And here we are with five teams ranked. I think Washington State is getting absolutely robbed in a poll that I don't really care about, but we need to care about. Uh, for reasons that we've talked about before, and we will again. But before we get into all the good stuff, football, as we all know, is back. We're almost in midseason, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends there. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It's fast, it's easy. It's all sports, so whatever you're interested in, they have you. Baseball, we're getting into playoff mode here. Boxing, even golf, MMA, and, of course, college football. So go to betonline.ag. Join, receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. But please use the promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. So with that said, a lot of people at the start of the season did not have UCLA ranked. A lot of people lit them up in their first couple games of the season. We had them against South Alabama, who's playing pretty good. Now they're ranked. They beat UW, and they got a huge one with Ted, as you referenced, Utah coming to Pasadena and what I would imagine would be close to a sellout, a pretty big crowd, let's hope, at the Rose Bowl. I think that's the headliner, and it's the first game of the day on Saturday. What do you think? Having seen what UCLA did last Friday night, and we were in Utah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, to, to go to football first, to the games, I mean, UCLA, it's a huge, that was a huge prove-it night. And DTR talked about it uh, prominently after the game, and they did. I mean, they had four wins, but they hadn't really been tested. They got tested by a team that had done well. And just as it was a prove-it night for UCLA, it was a, a prove-it night that didn't go well for Washington. They hadn't traveled yet, and you're not legit until you travel, right, and do it on the road. And they... You know, we all know the Washington, uh, like, for example, the previous week against Stanford, their defensive front just dominated and covers up a secondary that's in transition, right? Well, UCLA exposed that secondary. Did they ever? I was 100% wrong. I thought Washington was going to handle the Bruins, and I'll say it first, I was 100% wrong. And I think on the line, I was surprised how it looked like both sides of of the line UCLA held their own, if not uh, dominated both sides of the line. That surprised me. That's off to him. Yeah. Uh, Leatu Latu made his presence felt there. The former UW player DTR, man, what he said in the beginning of the week, he said, they need to worry about us, not us worry about them. I think he, he clearly elevated his performance might've been his most complete game. And now in this game, he, he hasn't played Utah in a while, right? He didn't play last year. It was Ethan Garbers in Salt Lake city. So I, I I don't know. Like this will be curious to see as we saw Utah. I thought their front seven was look, Oregon State moved the ball, but I, I think their front seven is real. I think they get better every week and they're gonna have to play their best game against the zone read game of DTR and Charbonnet on Saturday, or UCLA is gonna move the ball. Yeah, but I was gonna say, but but Utah better be able to run. Yeah. Utah didn't run the ball when we were there. They did not run the ball. Rising ran the ball. Yeah. But the running backs didn't run the ball. That was stunning. Tavian Thomas, don't know what's going on there. Didn't look like the Tavian Thomas of last year. And I mean, that, I mean, they're, Utah, to get to where Utah wants to be at the end of the year, they're going to have to get the run game 
really going. Yeah. Yogi, if you're game planning, is your game plan designed around throwing away from Clark Phillips all, all game? <laughs> Tell you what I'm not doing is I'm not throwing any full field out routes. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, you know, Jonathan Smith said it in his presser earlier this week of you just can't make out of the picks. That's the one to throw you can't make, yeah. you know, late to that guy. Um, Clark's proved to be elite. You know, I think I think he's a really special player. His his body control, his ball skills. We saw it in the Rose Bowl on a big stage last year. But this was impressive. And I don't imagine because we saw him in that game. He was moving all over. He wasn't just playing like left corner or field corner. He played in the slot. He played in the boundary. He blitz off the edge. I'd imagine he's going to run with Jake Bobo. I'd imagine they're going to have a plan where Jake Bobo can't just go off. Like they're going to take away the best thing. And that's, what's going to be fun for Dorian. Like so his decision-making will be, it'll be on the center stage. So do you think Utah will match Phillips up with Bobo? I do. Side of the field. Wow. Yeah, I do. I mean, if you look at yeah. Clark Phillips's history, whether it was against Kyle Phillips last year, who I get it, similar size, he ran with them or whether it was Drake London, he pretty much ran with them. Mm -hmm. And this is, a Utah, this is a Utah team that loves man-to-man -man coverage. I mean, they're going to put heat on Dorian and trust their secondary, which keeps playing better. Cole Bishop, we had him on this pod a week ago. Um, he had a heck of a game. Not a lot of missed tackles um, for that back end compared to week one where they were. So, yeah, I think they'll do that. And, you know, I think, Ted, to your point, if Utah can't run the ball, I think that's UCLA's best chance. Because what I don't know about Utah yet is – if they're down, can they throw their way back in? Sure. We know how efficient Cam Rising is, as efficient as a guy in the country. But the guy that really, uh, the guy that impressed me in a positive way Saturday being there was Vele, Devon Vele. Well, especially Solomon Enos doesn't play. Keithy's down for the year. Uh, he he played. I mean, that was the kind of thing you've been waiting for, for a Utah wide receiver to really raise your game and step up. And Vele has that kind of size. Remember Tim Patrick way back in the day? Oh, yeah. And I'm not sure if Tim's still in the NFL. He he survived quite a while in the league. But anyway, that's what, you know, Vele, big body guy. Enos, we saw him on the sideline before the game in street clothes. Big body guy. They should be, right, weapons. I mean, they ought to be for Utah's offense. Yeah, this is going to be fun. And I wonder, like, what does UCLA do? Does Kenny Churchill play more, right? He's a big body guy who can line up in the slot on different players. And I think what we've seen, too, to be fair for UCLA, is Bill McGovern, like, if you look at the first four games, like, you knew they were going to win the first three. You probably thought they'd win the first four. They didn't have to do a ton. Like, you saw them doing a little bit more. Different pressures, different looks, changing coverages. Like, there's more in that D coordinator tank than we had to see in the first couple games of the season. So I, I still think we don't really know enough about their defense to, to peg them. Right. Like we, we know what Arizona does on defense. You know, we have a, we, you can go down the list. You know what Utah, as we said, what they do on defense. But I want to see the wrinkles that UCLA brings to the table because I'd imagine those edge players are going to take away the legs of Cam Rising in the zone read game. So to your point, those backs are going to have to run the ball and run it well. And so, you know, guys leaving Utah, the, the guy that I really felt for, young guy, he was with us a couple of weeks ago, is Chance Nolan. Because, uh, it, you know, he had he just had a miserable start to the game there's no other way to say it and then on top of that got you know which we didn't catch in real time but we michael and the crew got a great replay we saw him get banged pretty hard on a tackle so where his health is as we're talking i have no idea but you could just see it i mean i sadly we've all seen it i saw a famous game in the nfl with the same thing happened you see a quarterback throw two picks early in the game that rattles you that rattles all but you know the the toughest and you could see Chance Nolan's body language, at least to me, went south big time. And uh, and so in a time when so many other teams in the conference are good at quarterback, right, or settled at quarterback, even Colorado watching them Saturday night, for the first time I saw in a couple of years, I saw a quarterback that gave them hope. Like I'm watching McCown play and I'm thinking, okay, this guy's got a chance. And I'm just saying, I haven't felt that about the other guys recently. Now, they've got to put a team together around him, of course, but at least they have hope when you see McCown. That's what I want. And I, I'm fearing for Oregon State right now. They need to find the guy, a quarterback, whether it's Nolan rebounding or Goldbrinson, that gives them hope. I'll tell you what, the Beavs need to fix five red zone trips, yeah, three field goals, two interceptions. That's a way to do that it. That was the game. The quarterback. That was the yeah. game. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was there were some fun moments, and I don't think to to both of your points, the final score is really reflective of how comp- competitive that game was. Um, all right, speaking of games, we got you could argue the game of the night. We got Oregon going to Arizona. Crazy things have happened down in Tucson, and as always, have you seen lately on this show, we bring on guests. So we are bringing on a guy who I think you could argue is playing at the highest level among any wideout in this league. You can go to USC, you can go to Oregon, you can go to UW. Jacob Cowing is balling. I had a chance to sit down with him and talk about the game this weekend. All right, excited to have Jacob Cowing join us here on the pod. So with that said, man, how do you put this season into context heading into family weekend against Oregon? Yeah, I think just the way that we went, we attacked this offseason um, I would say it was probably one of the hardest off-seasons I've ever done in my college career. And, uh, I, I, I mean, hats off to all our strength coaches and what they did and how they trained us and prepared us. I think it's just, honestly, at this point, we all put in the work, and it's just finally paying off and showing everyone what the kind of team that we are. Yeah, I, I heard that, man. Uh, the team that you are is one that makes so many plays. you got playmakers all over this field, man. What is that room like, and what do you think you need to do in this game come Saturday night? I think uh, we just need to play with that confidence, that swagger that uh, that we have and that we know that we have and that we're a good team. And if we all have that confidence, that mindset, you know, we have, we have a good team. We have a good squad that we can go far with. Um, I think that we can, we can pull off a, a good win against this, this good Oregon team. And uh, I think, honestly, it just come down to, uh, I mean, a good battle between two good teams and, uh, the best teams is going to come out on top, and I believe that's going to be us. You and your quarterback, Jane Delora, have such a dynamic relationship. It's been fun tracking you on social media this week about who's Batman, who's Robin. But what what is the dynamic like, and how have you gotten to the place where it seems like you seemingly know where each other are going to be pretty regularly? Yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before. When I first met him, um, it was almost like me and him are uh, like you know the exact same person. We have a lot of common. Uh, me and him have that, that brotherly um, you know, relationship between each other. I mean, we joke around, we laugh all the time, we hang out all the time. Uh, but, you know, when it's time to get serious about football and, um, you know, we get serious. One thing I would say about me and him is that me and him have a lot of creative things going on in our head about uh, certain plays and stuff like that. So he kind of just gives me his feedback, I give him my feedback, and then uh, we just kind of go from there and just play some football and have fun with it. Yeah, you can tell you guys are having fun. I mean, I feel like you two just need to do every post game press conference together just because it's, it's enjoyable for us on a bunch of levels. Um, you, you know, transfers are a big part of the world of college football, right? Quarterback just references one, you were one. Oregon has one at corner and Christian Gonzalez, number zero. Uh, we're gonna be highlighting that matchup in this game. What, what have you noticed as you've studied him in film and what are you looking forward to going up against him? Yeah, I mean, he. I would say he's a good player. I mean, he's definitely one of those guys who um, has the ability to make it to the next level as well. I mean, he's fast, he's strong, he's has a very uh, high football IQ. And um, I think that's something that I'm excited to go against, to kind of see where my skills match up against him. And um, I feel like he is something like, um, you know, seeing how he plays kind of get me better and then uh, kind of vice versa, kind of going uh, at each other and just having a good matchup and having fun playing football. It seems as though your head coach continues to cultivate that word, fun. But you also execute. Like, what have you noticed about how Jed Fish has been able to do that for you all? Um, I would say the fun aspect of just making making sure that we spend those, those quality times with our teammates, going bowling, uh, going over to his house, having that interaction with his family, with other coaches' families, and just getting to know people. I think that's what kind of makes it fun. I mean, I mean, it's kind of boring when you just come here, go home, come here, go home. It kind, of, it kind of makes it a little bit more fun when you go out and kind of do a little bit more fun activities with the team. And then um, also at the same time in practice, he goes over it every single day that we just got to practice harder than the games, which kind of makes, makes the games a lot more easy and more fun is when, I mean, during the week of practice, I mean, it's tough and it's hard. But during that game is when we kind of have fun, kind of let loose because the practice was just so intense. Oh, bro, I have fun in pregame because I listen to DJ Scooter up in the student section. Uh, do, do you guys jam to that? Like, is that something you recognize when the students are there early and it's popping like a little little party in pregame? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little bit. I mean, I see some guys dancing. I see some people in the stands dancing. I mean, it's kind of just a fun environment that I see every every home game we've had so far. I mean, it's 
I just see people dancing the whole time. And I love that. Love it. Yeah, so do we. All right, it's family weekend. Close to a sellout. Hopefully it will be by the time we get to game day. Little Chase, is he going to show up on family weekend? And if so, do you have something that you, you do for him in pregame or make sure that you give him a look or a fist pump or anything like that? Um, he is going to be here. That's 100% guaranteed he's going to be here. Um, usually the time when he gets into the stadium is when uh, we're about to kick off. So I don't, I don't really, I don't even see him sometimes. Like I don't even find where my family's at because they're just well hidden in the crowd. Um, but yeah. usually after the game, I'll go up to him at the rail and I'll have him maybe come down to the field or I'll give him a little fist pump and, or a little uh, you know, kiss on the forehead or something like that. But um, he has a little jersey with my name and my number on it. So he's going to rep that this week and uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it. All right, so you need to make sure you talk to Kimberly and get us the seats where he's at so we can make sure our producer, who's on this podcast as well, uh, can put him on television so we can okay. give him a little shout out after you make a couple plays, man. Sounds good. I'll I definitely, love it. All definitely right. do that. And uh, the one-handed catches, I mean, I swear you guys must practice them because it, it's like every game we're seeing more and more of those. So I don't know what you're doing or what you're drinking in the receiver water there, but <laughs> keep it to yourselves maybe. Don't give it to anybody else in the league. I don't know what to yeah. tell you there. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's a secret. It's a secret that we're doing yeah. right here. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Have a blast this weekend. Looking forward to seeing you in Tucson. Of course. I appreciate you. Well, Yogi, I'll tell you, if his son's going to be wearing his jersey, even our crew is going to be able to find him. Just kidding. We'd find him no matter what. But we will get him on. If his dad does something, we will get that young man on TV, I promise. Dude, he was awesome. He's he's so level-headed. Um, I did a long conversation with him uh, for the Pac-12 Networks, and he referenced his mom and how, like, when he was, like, six years old, and then, again, at different stages of his athletic life, he would like, eh, I don't, I don't want to keep working out. I kind of, I'm kind of tired. She said, no, 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 you got to keep going. There's always more in the tank. And this is a guy who's been built to prove people wrong because of his size and stature. And Ted, I don't know what you think. When I watch him, he looks like a guy that if he was at Alabama or Arizona or anybody, he'd be doing what he's been doing. Well, what was so impressive getting home Saturday night, and by the way, Salt Lake City Airport, you you have a beautiful airport, marvelous, beautiful, modern, spacious. But my God, I don't need to have to run a six and a half minute mile at my age to make my <laughs> flight because it was literally a mile. But these, these old legs still have a little marathoning in them. It was pretty good. Anyway, um, but but so I got home and I'm watching a bunch of Arizona Saturday night and I'm sitting there going, man, you know, we, we know that USC has tremendous receivers and they have, as we've said, the waves. But you have Cowing, Singer, and McMillan. Starting three for Arizona, not many people going to be better than that in this league, right? And so they passed for like 8,000 yards the other night. And man, I mean, that's going to be, you know, the Oregon, I'm sure Oregon, D.C. and Oregon team has spent all week trying to figure out, you know, we got we to make sure we slow that a little bit, right? Um, you know, and Delora did get slowed a little bit at Cal, by the Cal defense two weeks ago. But boy, that's a... That's a pretty effective game with Delora down there and those three guys as receivers. Yeah. Well, I, the easy thing for me, Cowing's the type of guy where the first thing I say at the camera meeting is up camera, number two, every time. <laughs> uh -huh. And I don't care if he doesn't make a catch in five, six, seven, seven snaps. Eventually, the second you leave him, he's going to do something special. So we are not going to leave him. So that's called a... Uh, a 100% ISO. So there'll always be a camera on him, no matter what, every play, just to make sure when he does something, we have it. So that's great. That's like, so if you watch, anybody watched the Manning cast on Monday Night Football, they have Steph Curry on in the, what, third quarter of the game or something. And Peyton and Eli ask, at some point, the Rams have a big third down play. All right, Steph, what are you going to do? And Steph goes, where's number 10? <laughs> Meaning Cooper Cup. That's all I said. Where's number 10? Just throw it to him. <laughs> so, that's right. so that's it. So he could be a TV producer is what you're saying. Steph can do just about anything he wants. <laughs> um, all right, I, I think in this game, the, the the matchup I'm most excited about is what's Oregon going to do against whoever is in the slot, right? Cowing will play in the slot. He'll play outside. Singer will play in the slot. He'll play outside. Tetaroa McMillan will play in the slot. He'll play outside. Tanner McLaughlin at tight end has looked impressive. Keen Burnett's going to elevate and get a ton of burn now that Alex Lyons is no longer with the team. What are they going to do, right? Because Christian Gonzalez, you watch him last week against Michael Wilson, who we love. Christian Gonzalez proved his worth last week. 
He can lock dudes down. And we talked about him before on this podcast. Does he have a guy? What's the scheme? How are they going to manage that? Because to the point of what Jane Delora is doing, Ted, to the gazillion yards he's thrown for almost 900 in the last two weeks, these guys are playing with confidence. They're making one-handed grabs, they're acrobatic plays, like, and the ball's coming out. So how do they handle perimeter game? How do they handle deep threat? How do they manage against Michael Wiley out of the backfield? I mean, he was one-on-one with linebackers, and he was winning all game long. And I get it was Colorado, but I'm curious, man. I, I like I like what this game is shaping up to be from a playmaker standpoint. So every defensive coordinator in history will tell you how you do that. Rush the passer. Yeah. So what does Oregon do to pressure Delora, right? And then what's Delora's escapability? And as we saw, we saw vividly a couple of weeks ago in Corvallis, you can get close to a guy. Can you tackle him? Amen. So all those things, I mean, I, I assume that's what Oregon is going to have to figure out. We're different at mixing up pressures to keep Delora guessing and try, you know, can't let him be comfortable, right? Yeah. Well, Brandon Dorless is playing the best on the defensive yeah. front for the Ducks. Every week he's gotten better. Yeah. And it's been interesting. Like Stanford, they blitzed him almost 50% of the game when they played Stanford. When they played Wazoo, they blitzed like 20% of the game. So what do they try to do here? And I think we'll learn early. If they can get after the quarterback with DJ Johnson, he'll be full go. Mace Funa, Brandon Dorless, these interior yeah. guys, they'll be fine. Um, and hoping Justin Flo plays after not playing last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's be a tougher test. I mean, look, face it, it's, it, you know, Colorado's not in a good place right now. So this is going to be a bigger challenge. It's going to be more the challenge, you know, that they faced against the Cal defense is probably a little bit better D that they're going to see with Oregon. Yeah, copy that. All right, so we got that. It's family weekend. It's almost a sellout. It's going to be fun. Uh, Chase, you'll be on Who's there. our DJ Take Yogi? DJ Scooter. He'll can't be wait. there. You wow. can't wait. The 50. Spend my 20s with DJ Scooter, Ted. That's another <laughs> podcast. One, one teaser, we have a special camera. It's going to be dad cam in the stands because one of our Pac-12 regulars is not working the show because his daughter goes to Arizona. So he'll be in the stands with a little little camera. You might, uh, MS is the initials, but I won't give it away. Who's going to be uh, wow. surprised? Nice. Yeah. So good. So good. All right. So let's talk about, um, dad cam here, uh, Washington state and USC. They play, this is going to be fun. Uh, there'll be a bunch of cameras in this one all over everybody and anybody. Uh, the Cougs should be ranked. When you look at how they've won and what they've done, I still think they have the most impressive win of the season in terms of the style in which they had to go do it at Wisconsin. We're going to get to that in here in a second, how Wisconsin just fired their coach, Ted. But let's talk about this for the Trojans. Um, they don't have too many challenging road games. You know, in two weeks they go to Utah, but they don't have a crazy road schedule this mm-hmm. year when you look at the slate. But Arizona Arizona State was tighter than I think people presumed it would be. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but Caleb Williams bounced back. Damn, his elusiveness off the charts again. What do you think? Because he's playing a really athletic front seven with Ron Stone Jr., Brennan Jackson. We haven't seen the Cougs in person this year, but they can run. They're, if anything, they can run defensively. Yeah, and two, the two things you hit on one of them, Caleb Williams, we saw him have a wildly inaccurate throwing night in Corvallis. He rebounded tremendously from that. And I think now, after how many games, it's pretty clear that uh, what whatever his traits are that cause us, he's hard to tackle. And that's what I got into earlier is you can get to him. I mean, I said, Cam Newton was the guy that really hammered this point home to me. You can get to him. That's only half the battle. Now you got to bring the man down. And Caleb Williams has proven himself to be a really hard guy to bring down. And then when he throws the way he did against ASU, I mean, again, that's makes their offense almost unstoppable. Yeah. His ability to continue the play. I mean, just ask Oregon state, as we saw two weeks ago, and he, it's not only that he can escape, it's that after he does, he doesn't panic. And he always seems to be completely in control, by the way. Most of the, a lot of quarterbacks scrambling, they look like they're they're not you know exactly sure it affects the decision making, but he seems even when under complete duress to make the calm, poised decision. And that's I would imagine that's incredibly dangerous for a defense yeah. to try to contain. So Yogi, so, so young Mr. Henley at Washington State has made quite an impact. Would he be a spy? I think would that be the be. kind of guy? Would that be a spy on Caleb Williams? I'm going to go with 100 and 100, 100 percent. Like how short okay. of a thing as you can find. Uh, yeah. I would, I would go with that. I mean, they'll they'll mix it up here and there, but 
especially on those critical downs. And I think what we've seen teams do against SC um, and really around the league is you spy him. And the minute you feel as though he's dropping back, like you have the ability to boom, all of a sudden run through and try to make a play in the backfield. You can play coverage on him. Like that's going to be the dance. Cause I know one thing, Jake Dicker will not just sit back in coverage. Like he's going to cut it loose, mm-hmm. let it rip. I think his team embodies that persona. Um, and it'll be fun. And this is a this is a big test weekend. Like we'll know a ton in two weeks' time. But this week we'll know a ton too. We talked about Utah UCLA. Learn a ton there. Wazoo will we'll learn a ton there. SC will learn a ton there. Cause you can comp SC's resume and even UCLA's and say, okay, like SC put it on their first opponents where UCLA struggled and they weren't clean. But I don't know. Like I I I, I think it's just gonna be a really fun first half of Saturday to see what those two teams are like right around when we kick it off at six o'clock. Yeah. All right. So Ted, what do you, what do you think about what's going on in college football? We former head coach of Pitt now Wisconsin, Jake Dickers from Wisconsin, right? They beat Wisconsin. Uh, another guy gets fired early. What do you think, man? Two, two get fired. Yeah. Two get well, fired. I, well, I, I have to say, and I'm going to have a, maybe a little bit of an early humanity moment here. And I really want to thank Michael Molinari because, uh, you know, last Saturday I had a couple of first half, you know, flubs maybe, uh, didn't see a number properly. And look, uh, you know, our fan base deserves much higher than that. You know, the standard that we bring on Pac-12 Network is is really high. The quality we want is high. So, Michael, I want to thank you very much for not firing me and uh, <laughs> and and for standing by me and supporting me. Um, it's very important. I know that my agent, Adam, negotiated a wonderful buyout clause that case of of uh, chateau margot which i i'm sure is a little bit restrictive in terms of wanting to let me go but you stuck with me michael so i want to thank you, you for that you had the uh, largest key light in the world dead in your face for the first five minutes which is the sun right into that booth so uh, we want to thank you for hanging in there and at least trying to look at the field during those first five minutes so so that's my way of saying what in the hell is going on with this sport i mean this is insanity Right. Carl Durrell, look, the, the thing's not in a good place there. We understand. And that's, you know, Rick George had come out recently and tried to be publicly with support. And obviously powers there felt that the way that they played in Arizona Saturday, we all saw it. It wasn't very, they just weren't competitive. Um, despite having a young quarterback that you think is a guy I think has gives him some hope. Um, it's it's not fun to see, but you know, at least that's football performance. Wisconsin is insanity. That is utter insanity that a coach with that resume is let go into a season. When you look at his record, look at what he did, how he did it. And I, um, and I freely admit, I, I know the Christ family. I've been in communication with the Christ family, <laughs> plural, in the last few days. And they're all very proud because they're, their their family is football royalty in Wisconsin. Their dad was an extraordinarily well-regarded coach in Wisconsin. Um, like Leopold, the guy at Kansas right now, George Chris, the dad, was a coach at one of the Wisconsin branch schools and was renowned so uh, prominently in the state. Um, and they're all proud of, of they said, Paul, not just winning, but doing it the right way. Trite, but very true phrase, the right way. And... Wisconsin's not an easy job. There are a lot of forces at work there, which is what contributed to this being, to this happening this past weekend. Um, One of which is you walk into the stadium, you walk by the statue of Barry Alvarez. who's still there. Um, Who's the coach that won there this past Saturday? Who's the school that won there this past Saturday? Illinois. Yeah. Who's their coach? Brett Brett Bielema. Bielema. Where did Brett Bielema coach once? Wisconsin, he left on his own to go to Arkansas. So it, it's just, it's, it's, of course, there are so many other factors at work here in college athletics. This isn't just the pros where it's just we, we're not winning, but we make a decision. In college, there are forces from the outside that all do this. We all understand that. But this one sends to me a horrendous message for. Uh, for college football, horrendous. And I, I had to, I mean, within hours, the body's not even worn, euphemism. 
And I'm, 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 I'm seeing this Sunday and I can't believe it. So now I see, of course, clickbait time. So here's Athlon Sports has a guy who says, okay, here are the candidates for the Wisconsin job. I had to take a bathroom break. I couldn't finish reading. The list was that long. And I was very happy. I got to the bottom of the list because I wanted to be sure Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and Kirby Smart were not on his list. I think they were the only three that didn't make it, but they were not on his list. Um, and obviously, look, they gave the job to a Wisconsin guy. Jim Leonard is a Wisconsin legend. Great player there. Long NFL career successful. If they play well, he's not a substitute teacher is what I'm saying. And I'm not there, but you don't put Jim Leonard in that job as the substitute teacher. If they play well, he's going to get that job. Um, but the whole thing. So to finish all of this, I want to lean and by the way, this is our version of graphics on the podcast for those of you joining us on our visual. And these are approved by the Pac-12 graphics department. I want you to know that. So I've borrowed from my grandkids and I'm going to spin the wheel on this number. And I pull, look where the, look at number that the, that the wheel lands on first. Now, for those of you just listening, it's the number five. Do you know what five is? Five is the number of FBS coaches that have been fired already this season. Five. Two in our conference here. Five. So let's spin the wheel again and look what number it lands on. Zero. Zero is the number of NFL coaches fired so far this year. What does that tell you? Yeah. It's 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 gnarly to watch it go down mm -hmm. the way that it has. And to your point, I think they're they're different circumstances. You know, like Colorado, they've struggled since 2020, and recruiting wasn't going great. And it's a bye week. I get that one. Uh, we talked talk to Brian Howell last week, who does a great job of covering them. And I was working on Sirius XM, and I said, you know, if they lose, what do you think happens? And he goes, Oh yeah, I think he's going to get let go. And I was like, No way, dude, no way. He goes, No, it's going to happen. And and sure enough. It happened. And Mike Sanford's now in as the interim guy and gone as Chris Wilson, the DC. But to your point about Wisconsin, to me, it's like, if you have a guy that's ready for the job, right? we could look at like, this has happened before, right? Lincoln Riley is a perfect example at Oklahoma. If you have a guy that you think could be the head coach, you've got a couple schools of thought. You can do what Wisconsin did, fire a dude who's a legend there, who's thrived there amid the circumstances you detailed, Ted, um, and give him his shot in the back half of the season. Or you can evaluate it as the season is going on and say, you know what? We're going to make a change here. Like Oklahoma was so unique because it was in the spring, but it was like they knew they had a guy and they elevated him when Stoops left. And I think what I'm saying is that like we're losing anything that is like clean in college football in terms of coaching changes, especially when you're elevating from within. Because I wouldn't be shocked that Jim Leonard, Jim Jim Leonard is the head coach there. Wouldn't be shocked by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think I was more shocked that Paul Chris was let go in the manner in which he was let go after the team started slow last year and then finished strong. And what's been interesting for me, my last point on this, is that listening to all the head coaches' press conferences in our league this week, they've all been asked about Carl Durrell. Um, hey, what do you think about the coaching early coaching firings? And Kyle Whittingham had the best answer where he goes, well, that's what it is. We make a lot of money and there's a big expectation. And if you don't make it, you're going to get let go. And he's like, I hate it, but that's reality. And it was, yeah. it was just like every once in a while, I think like cold water is thrown on you in college football because you spend Saturdays like loving up the pageantry and the stories and so much. And then you can get to Monday or Sunday and it's like whoop, business, not selling tickets, whatever, not winning games and see you later earlier than we've ever, ever seen before. I'm not going to talk about gnarly dudes and I'm not going to pull out children's toys, but I'm just going to say what I said last week. And I'll probably say again next week, proactive versus reactive. I think a lot of these are reactive and nobody has thought about where are we going from here? We're just making a decision and not thinking about the future. And I think it's going to come back to haunt a lot of these schools and we'll find out, I guess. Five and zero. Just remember those. Which is the professional sport? Yeah. You ain't lying. Um, okay, so let, let's get to two more games because there's some other stuff to talk about too. Uh, Arizona State 
I thought put up a pretty good fight against SC, better than what I would have anticipated. Mm -hmm. uh, against a Washington team who was exposed in the back end, to, to your earlier point. And then we get Oregon State going to Stanford at 8 o'clock. Stanford, it's been since 2019, injuries have hit this team. 2020, just moved to the side because it was such a funky year for everybody. But it's like guys have been getting hurt every year. Uh, I just saw earlier... Uh, before we started recording this show, um, O Lyman, Miles Hinton, Barrett Miller, questionable, Caillou Blue Kelly, he's out, their best guy in the back end. Um, just, uh, I don't know, what do we think about about those those two games when we look at a one o'clock start on the Pac 12 networks and then the finale in the evening? Well, this is look, this is huge for Washington. Washington misses, I mean, everyone's talking about the misses for USC. No, no, no. talk about the misses for Washington. Yeah. They miss USC and Utah this year. Bang, they're in very much, despite their loss last week, they are very much in the championship game race. Um, they have at least one more. I mean, they can absorb maybe one more loss, but they're not out of it with one loss is what I'm saying. Not with those two misses. So win on the road. And you're right, ASU played. I, I was very, I was happy for Sean Aguano because they played a much better game. Yeah. than they had the previous week. So that's a good sign. But I, I think this one's about Washington. This is about Washington. Hey, win a road game. And you're very much in the championship game race if you can win this road game. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree more, man. This is this is a big-time moment, I think, for the program in this season because of what you referenced, struggled on the road. And the program struggled in, in, in the state of Arizona, right? Like if you think about some, some of those tough losses they've had down there, and I think, like we talked about last week, whether it's Colorado or ASU, two of the teams that have lost their head coach out of the five in college football, they come out and you have to absorb their best punch early. And that, and to me, that punch is play action pass. That punch is deep shot downfield. That punch is get it to some of the wide receivers they have. Can you dub handle that? The bounce back quality, I'm excited to watch on the back end for that one, Michael. No, I think I think Ted hit it on the head. It's what did Washington learn from their first road game and how do they apply it to this week? And I think I think they had a, a really good start and this is kind of their first test of how do they respond to adversity. So I'm not gonna say what's gonna happen because I was totally wrong with them last week, but uh, <laughs> we will see. We will see uh, we'll see Arizona and Washington the following week on the fifteenth. Um, we get to go great. to Seattle. Like, Let's we go. get to go to Seattle. Oh, awesome. Oh, by the way, this just in, Jed Fish will wear a mic the entire game for our game this weekend. So that should be uh, – I we had great uh, – we had a great experience with Dan Lanning a few few weeks back. So looking forward looking forward to that addition to our show. Amen. Amen. Uh, by the way, Syracuse ranked 22. Just had to get that in. Oh, yeah. Big <laughs> behemoth win over Wagner. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> So, so let me, let me, Yogi, let me see if I get this. So Syracuse is ranked and Washington state is not. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to text Pat Chun right now. It's Pat. You need <laughs> to schedule a five-year deal with Wagner, please. Seriously. That's clearly how you get in the rankings. Yeah. And do want to welcome There's our a friends. few media folks from Syracuse that yeah. might be pushing a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, it'll be a fun week this week. You know, everybody's in conference play. You can eliminate some of those unattractive games. Um, all right, so so Ted, I know you wanted to talk about kind of just the overall news. Like we, we've talked about it, right? We've got, uh, I think Michael, how, did you sign a five year deal with Fubo? Did you just agree, ink that <laughs> as a as an he influencer. Should. Totally, you should. I mean, we're on the That's train. Right. We appreciate everybody listening and watching and finding our games. We've had awesome numbers in terms of people viewing the last couple of weeks. Um, and we know the deal, right? As Ted has said many times, like advance the story. You can find a way we're offering you those ways. Sling, Fubo, it's easy to find it. Figure it out if you need help. Just hit up Michael on, on Twitter. He's, he's got your back. U-O-F-B. You can't spell Fubo without U-O-F-B. Easy to remember this week. There it is. There it is. I love it. So for the Oregon fans, they already watch it. Arizona fans, they already watch it. But everybody, everybody else around the pack, if you need us, we got you. But we are, as a league, um, in a cool moment right now in terms of media rights. And there was a story that you read, Ted, from our friend John Wilner on Amazon. I hope everybody read it. If you haven't, go look it up. Um, this is just something, look, 
this is just truth. We want we want to talk football. We're trying to talk football as much as we can. But it, I, mean, I was in Salt Lake City Friday night with guys who played. You know, back when pterodactyls were flying the uh, the skies in Utah, and there that's the only thing they wanted to ask me about: what's going to happen to the pack? What's going to happen to the pack? Because the Utes are worried, obviously. Uh, people who care about the Utes. So, um, I, I John Wilner is I've known a long, long time, and John is just a tremendous reporter. He's smart. He's reason any reports. He asks questions, analyzes reasons, and uh, and he wrote a piece late last week on the Pac-12 hotline that I thought was fabulous. And I'm going to say, look, he kind of took the the framework I had laid out back in July when I had referenced, you know, outside the box. It's worth at least thinking about outside the box solutions in this state that the Pac-12 is in right now. The Pac-10 is in right now. Um, and it was my view was of Nike. So John took that and really did a great job of extending that to what if Amazon were to basically have a huge stake, for lack of a better phrase, a huge stake in this conference based in Seattle, you know, makes a lot of sense, right? And I just thought it was smart, well-reasoned, and the kind of thing that I have no idea what the powers that be are doing. Um, but I thought it was just a great piece. It's the kind of, that's the smart reporting that we need far more of in the, in the in this part of the country about college sport, not just the clickbait talk show host, you know, it's easy to criticize everybody, but take it and move it. And John did. I just thought, and I give him a lot of credit because it made me think. I said, dang, that was really a good idea. I don't know what Jeff Bezos thinks about it. You know, he's got a, he's got his mile and a half long yacht that is, he's trying to get out of Amsterdam. Rotterdam, is it? Or Rotterdam, I think. Um, but I thought it was great. It's a great concept. Um, and I know we, uh, guys, when I learned this, Mike McCurry was the first press secretary for Bill Clinton when he was president. And Mike McCurry, I heard him on an interview once say this. He said, when I was in the Oval Office and things would get pretty uh, delicate situations, conversations would get tough, Mike would say, I'm leaving. I'm the one that has to stand up on the podium every day in front of in basically the country. That's the press, but it's really the country. I can't lie. I can't lie. So that way, I'm not privy to what the president thoughts are on that subject and he's telling the truth that's the way i've been operating since july 1 i'm not privy to what the powers are thinking i don't know and it's such a comforting way to go because we're we're all all of us are getting hammered by this question every day everywhere we go what's going to happen with the league well i love the fact that that john threw that kind of extended thought out there when when did the not lying mantra in politics go away by the way um <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like Mike McCurry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think there is something to it. Um, I've always imagined a league, Ted, and it was from it's sparked by you, and then talking to other coaches, like, what if the league was the Nike Amazon League, the brand Jordan Amazon League? Like you talk about attractiveness to recruits. Because I'll say this yeah. for the umpteenth time: when you look at the draft, it goes SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12. FYI, those two leagues have two more teams than the Pac-12. We're still kicking guys out to the NFL. When Ted asked the best question of 2021 season, it was to Don Brown, the longtime defensive guru, now the head coach of UMass. Coach, what surprised you about coming out West? The run game. Like, I think the lazy narrative of it's just the cradle of quarterbacks is finally true again this year. But there's really good ball out here and really talented players yeah. who want to play in the NFL and also get a degree at the 10 schools that will remain. So I, I'm I'm excited, man. I can't wait till whatever comes, comes. Um, I'll go from let, there. Yeah, and so let me throw the one addendum in here that Michael would be far more uh, willing to or smart enough to address. I was sitting yesterday with a bunch of people that were on their way to the Monday night football game. And they're from the tech world. So again, this conversation topic, what's going to happen? So I start kicking around and I throw around this Amazon concept and the fact that you know, streaming may well be a part of something that goes forward. And these tech people were like, well, of course it has to be. And I said, well, wait a minute. You know, in some of our footprint, you know, Washington State, Oregon, Utah, places like that, where you have a lot of fans out in less populated areas, you know, apps and Roku's and streamings and all that may not be quite as simple as the one button push that we're all used to. They were looking at me like I was a 
not just a Luddite, like a, like a knucklehead. What do you mean? It's not that hard. Every TV made today is a smart TV. Who doesn't know how to get Amazon Prime on? So it's fascinating because that was the response. Now, again, I'm talking to you from Silicon Valley. And that was the response here. Now, I, again, in some of our you know, outstate areas, I'm not sure how that thought process holds. But to this group, my point being, that was it's a non-starter that we're going to be on stream. Like, why would you think about anything else? <laughs> the early adopters always have trouble uh, understanding the last 50%. That's what I would say in a nutshell. They just don't. They don't get how people aren't as tech savvy as them and they just they just never will and there's a whole bunch of people that as much as we joke about fubo tv and it's easy to do and it is easy to do but there's people that just i think they can do it but they just don't believe they can do it that's probably the best way of putting it so i think people have to you really have to guide them through it and we're trying we're trying but yeah there's people that will never have access to streaming for probably years no matter what Elon Musk is going to do, they're not going to have the uh, 9G <laughs> systems in the mountains. So if you go back to the first year we did this podcast, I think it was 2018, maybe 2019. And I can remember we were trying so many different modalities in terms of how are we going to record? And I remember in 2019, a friend named John Gordon, who's an acclaimed author, he goes, Yo, why don't you guys just use Zoom? And I said, what the heck is Zoom? So we try Zoom out, this Zoom thing. Yeah. And, and we were struggling. We find our way and we record a podcast on Zoom. And then after about, I don't know, seven minutes, it became norm. And of course, became Vogue in 2020. Uh, so to, to Michael, I think you, you nailed it. Like, do you want to do something that's a little hard? It seems maybe a little harder than it is. And then you find a little rhythm and you realize like, oh, you can kind of connect some neurons faster than you think. And bam, you or your daughter or my seven-year-old can figure it out or Ted's grandkids. They can do it better than us, Yogi. Yeah, even better. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, all right. And then uh, I think, and then I think the last part of that is you're right. Absolutely, Yogi. That's absolutely right. The question is, do you learn to swim in a short pool? Do you learn to dive in safe water before you go in off the cliffs of Acapulco? Yeah, I think that's the question. That's a good point. Well, at least the NFL jumped off the cliff first. On Thursday night football. Well, but that's but that's a point. Yeah. That's big, but that's the kiddie pool. It's one yeah. game out of sixteen a week. Yeah, right? good that's point. The, yeah, that's a good call. Okay, um, this has been really fun, uh, Michael. We've got a bunch of games the first weekend of buy games for multiple teams in this league, uh, but that doesn't mean we don't have a humanity moment. Yeah. So what do you got with us before yeah. we head down to Tucson for the first time this you year? Take a swig of this drink. I want to hear this. <laughs> well, here's the theory of. You know, many, many therapists, and I think everybody knows it intuitively, having to say something out loud makes it real. If we keep things on the back burner, we can compartmentalize them. But when we have to actually speak it, it seems to, it seems to allow us to let our emotions kind of take over. So going back to last Monday at Kyle Whittingham's press conference for the Oregon State game, it was the one-year anniversary of Aaron Lowe's death. And as most of you know, Utah lost Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan in nine months uh, last season. And anyway, when Kyle got to the point where he needed to talk about it, I'm sure he had prepared, but he paused. He started to talk, and it was still fresh. And you could he paused. He had to clear his throat and take a moment. And I think what that showed me is even someone that's supposed to have the steely resolve of the coach who's a leader of men when they have to speak of something so raw and so emotional it, it can even get the best of them so I think what as we experience this weekend what Utah is doing with the moment of loudness which you can see it on tv and you can hear it on tv but when you are in that building and you feel it and that's what you don't get when you're not there. And that's something we try to do on television is bring the moment home to you. But I can't do that with a moment of loudness because sitting in that truck, feeling the vibrations of that stadium, as you guys did as well, it's just a, it's a great moment, a great tradition. And I hope Utah does it for a long time to come because it's two things. It's cathartic because those fan base and those players are saying it out loud that we're trying to navigate the pain of that loss. But what it really shows me is the love that those players and those fans have for the players they lost. And they are honoring and loudly 
carrying out that legacy. And it was a great moment to be part of. And I hope, I hope everybody gets a chance to get to Utah someday and see it because it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, I was able to go to the Pac-12 title game last year in Vegas that Utah was at and then cover the Rose Bowl, which Utah was at. And they had a moment of loudness in both those games. But to hear it in Rice Cycles, I get the chills now thinking about it. It, it was just different. Man. And it was, it was, a, it was, Ted, you're better than me at, at putting words to it, but it was just something where like kind of sat there in awe, took a video of it so I could share it with my wife of like, whoa, like the, we don't see people that come in together that often when it's not just the sport. You see it in every stadium every weekend when their team plays, but when it's something bigger than just play, we don't see that that often. And and they get it every time they have a game in that stadium. And oh, I don't, I don't tell what, what was your thoughts when it when it went down? Yeah. No, it's it's true measure that you know the word gets thrown around a lot, but I think it applies to Utah. It's a football family. And that's really um, what came across. And I'll just say, and I, I think the other side of it to me is very much what Yogi, you introduced me to Kim Helinski a few years ago. And after the, you know, the tragedy of uh, Tyler Helinski, what all of the work that's been done on that front, which is a true way of honoring his memory is to make sure that doesn't happen again. I would hope in this case that this, these, these two horrible deaths are used they're both gunplay. They're both gunplay, which should never happen. And not with those people that young. And I would hope that this, you know, the, the, that you really want to honor their memory, that this cause gets pushed forward to fight in that front too, uh, as we've done so beautifully in so many ways on the mental health front. Couldn't agree more, Ted. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, hard to believe where we are heading into week six. Nuts how fast this thing has gone. We got you six o'clock Pacific, the Oregon Ducks, 12th ranked in America. Head down and face Jedfish, Jedfest, as Ted is calling it, against this offensive firepower unit that, that man, they've just shown. It is Jedfest mic'd up in Tucson. Thanks for listening. Our show is presented by Bet Online. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.